I'm calling from Tohono O'odham land here in the southwest desert of Great Turtle Island. This time, like every time, we are talking about a community based on a building built on Dakota land up in the Great Lakes area. We recognize, thank, and offer honor to those who care for the lands where we live. This podcast is dedicated to the Dakota people. Thank you. Welcome to the Students Co-op Memory Journal podcast. Today is Thursday, November 18th, 2021, and this is episode two. Today, we'll introduce ourselves like a co-op meeting from our early 2010s era. Um, please remind me what period you lived in the co-op, actually. Was it late 2011 to 2012? Um, it was, I think, just 2014. Not even oh. a, just a handful of months. It was just a bit in 2014. Okay, well, anyway, maybe this will be familiar. Um, let's start with our name, preferred pronouns, and if you could be any kind of land biome, which kind are you? Oh no! I don't okay, know go, my land biomes. I'll go first, and um, and then we'll go counterclockwise around the room. My name is Maxime. No preferred pronouns. And uh, today, I think I'm a swamp. Kind of challenging, a little confusing, a little alluring, and full of lurking questions. Okay, my name is Hannah. I have she/her/her pronouns. Um. Does a peat bog qualify for? Yeah, what's a peat bog? I have no idea. It sounds uh, cool though. Yeah, they they find uh, the bodies, like ancient uh, bodies preserved. Yeah, sounds interesting. It's kind of like a swamp. Perfect. Yeah. Well, we're the only ones here, so first item on the agenda is food blog. We have designated six hours for this topic. Hannah heard about our documentary podcast and offered to share her experiences. Let's start with what you sent me. Um, please tell us about this. I was a a co-op chef or like the food preparer uh, for the co-op. If I remember correctly, everyone had a different chore or task of either for a semester or a month. And, you know, we'd rotate these tasks every so often. And, you know, usually people were like cleaning the bathrooms or you were like a kitchen manager. So you like you were in charge of buying food. So I think this position came about when I think basically somebody started like batch cooking like beans and rice and like other kind of just staples that people use all the time in the house and, you know, put them in these huge Tupperware. And it was like, whoa, that was like really helpful because you know now we don't have to cook like a million small little things like here's like a good base so it basically became a part of the like rotation of jobs or like duties I was that for a while and I really kind of like leaned into it in the sense that I was always trying to find like new things to make um so not just like beans and rice but like oh what what do we have in the fridge what do we have that's like leftover or especially like, oh, what is something that nobody's eating? And then I could like incorporate it in. There was like a giant jar or jug of like kimchi and then all the kimchi was eaten, but there was no, the juice or like the vinegar was just in the jar. So I was like, I could make a stir fry and use this as the sauce, you know? That's brilliant. Yeah. So that was one. Yeah. And then also like, I guess this was before I learned how to like, cook vegan and like gluten sensitive so like I kind of learned how to do that by using like substitutions and other things so yeah I guess it was a learning experience it was fun it's always fun to cook something and 
people were always super excited and were happy and grateful. So it was kind of like, oh, uh, here's this thing I did. And people would come home and be like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Thank you. I did it for the likes. (laughs) Wow. That was a really good um, service that you provided. Yeah. I actually remember too. And, you know, maybe I could like go back to the Facebook post, but like Jilla was interested in getting this position too. So we're like, oh, we both want to cook. And like for a while, we were both like cooking so much to win over the hearts and minds of people in the house. (laughs) Wow. So uh, that answers my question. I was going to ask you, I I find myself thinking that you chose the manager position of food prep voluntarily, but I don't want to, I didn't want to assume but why did it seem right to you? Hmm. I was always hanging out in the kitchen regardless. I think that was the the point or place where everyone congregated naturally. And to be there was like to be in a in a social group. So I I was like gonna be there anyways. And I didn't really want to clean the bathrooms, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that was my first job. Yeah. It's uh, the stereotype. Like, I think everyone starts off cleaning the bathrooms. We often had a very even balance of women and men in the house, which I recall being quite deliberate. Um, but arguably, we had an overrepresentation of white, middle class, non indigenous, heteronormative social groups, for example. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that word egalitarian, which the co op purports to support? When I think about the student co-op in the past and how it's, you know, what's going on today, like it's a informal institution and like institutions are messy and it's not easy to know how to do something the right way. I think I hear you. I think people wanted to ideally be egalitarian, but I'm just, I guess I'm trying to get at what, what the, what the house um, was positive and negative and like people, mm-hmm. what might've bounced people off, what might've made people leave. Maybe you want to talk about why you left. I actually left to go to grad school and that was like intentional in the sense that like, you know, I was applying for grad school. I initially, yeah, I got rejected from all places, but one. And then even then the, the place I was accepted, they initially didn't even fund me. So I was like, well, I think it was actually Richard Barnes who said, you know, don't pay for grad school. If you're going to grad school and paying for it, like you're doing it wrong. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to grad school then. Uh, And then they eventually uh, said, oh, you know, a funding line came up so we can fund you. Wow. Cool. Good advice then. Yeah, I guess so. So that's why I left, you know, after graduating uh, undergrad, couldn't find a job that I really liked. I still was like not even sure what I liked. Uh, So I kind of just kicked the can down the road, so to speak. I was like, I'll just go to school. But yeah, I was like in the weird place of transition where you're kind of like a half adult figuring out what you want. What do you think of now when you think of the co-op? Well, yeah, if you would have asked me two years ago, I might have had a different idea because I I would often have dreams and I would dream of going back to the co-op and like seeing like this crazy like room, uh, like a, like a slide. Like I was like, whoa, they're (laughs) doing something awesome. Like I also like in my dream, like we were 
digging down and like building even another level. So like, I guess subconsciously, I always thought the co-op is doing awesome, cool things and like continuously building. Yeah, I, I guess uh, seeing the Facebook posts and what the alumni are saying, it's not the case. <laughs> this I don't know if this is really on point, but um, last episode, we heard from R.T. Ravenholt, a co-op from 1944 who said the first house mother was in the 30s before she moved to the students' co-op, the chief cook from a college in Des Moines, Iowa. And I was wondering if you thought food prep role has, I mean, does it have overly gendered connotations? What I'm getting at, I guess, is does does food prep earn the entire first floor extension as the house mother first had hmm. back in the 40s? Yeah, I'm not sure. I I don't feel like it does, but you know, just because I feel like it does doesn't mean people perceive it. Um, it's funny because I, I remember that picture of the, I believe what you're talking about, the first house mother, and from what I've heard, the food that she cooked wasn't even that good, so people were like <laughs> resentful. Is this true? <laughs> Interesting. Well, if if it was the second house mother, or at least the one that came after, according to his narrative, D, the one with kidney issues, it might be that people enjoyed the food, but maybe it wasn't really, I think maybe there's speculation that it might not have been very good for us because mm. um, if she was having such health issues from the way she was preparing the food for herself, I don't know. It's very unclear. Uh, I don't want to, you know, speculate that way, but maybe that could be what you're talking about. Well, anyway, after moving in, do you remember an experience that made the place feel like home? Yeah. So I think at the time, Zach was the president and we hosted a progression party uh, after a house meeting. So like house meetings last forever and they suck. Yeah. But so it was kind of <laughs> like, oh, you know, this is done. And it, it was like intentional to be like only house members and like everyone supposedly have to has to be there. Um, but it was really fun because we started at everyone's rooms at a level. So like the first floor, second, third floor, and people had different themes in each room. So like in my room, I set up like a photo station and like grab stuff from the free bin and like wigs and other costumey items and set up my tripod and camera and people like took pictures and they loved it and like i think patrick had like a mario kart room once and there was a like tarot card reading room and you know it was just really fun to you know hang out in everyone's rooms and kind of just see what what is this person going to do that's great that's a great experience thank you for reminding me of progression parties yeah <laughs> uh looking back now if you could go back in time and meet with hannah at the co-op what would you tell her oh um maybe not to worry so much I'm I'm seeing the light of the tunnel and my life is kind of getting to where I want it to be. So I'm like, yeah, it's all coming together. And maybe uh, 2014, Hannah would have been like, what are you doing? Like you're moving across the country. Like you don't even know what you want. And definitely <laughs> had uh, not, yeah, not confident in my own abilities. Um, but, you know, confidence is a secondary thing. 
Well, I guess I just have one more question, which is maybe a bigger question, but uh, if we can go into your personal story a bit, can you please recollect any experiences in your upbringing that might have inspired your curiosity about cooperative share houses? And so, yeah, maybe. Uh, like I always did camp when I was a kid, and like that was your parents spend like thousands of dollars and they send you to this camp, and it could be like you know Bible camp. Um, I went to like Concordia language villages. Um, oh, that sounds familiar. I'm, I think my sister might have done that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's cooperative living in the sense that you're living in just like a big house with bunks and you're around these people like 24 seven and you just end up like loving them. Um, and that was always a fun experience. And I was like, why wouldn't I also love this experience being, you know, a 20 something year old? Makes a lot of sense. Do you want to talk about how you found out about, about the co-op? So I. I knew tangentially like about it uh, through my friend, Corey Poland. And like, you know, this is, it's not hearsay, but it's fuzzy memories and people can correct me later if it comes out, I was wrong. But my understanding was Corey was at this fraternity with Jake and Corey left and was like, fraternities, I'm going to join the student co-op. <laughs> this is really? way better. I wish he had told me that story. Yeah. Um, you should have him on here too, if you can. I will try to get him. Thank you for that. And then I think Jake was kind of like bitter that he's like, you just left me, man. But anyways, I, I knew of the co-op through Corey Poland. And like, we had gone to parties, like the new year's party. Um, there's like a, you know, I could dig out pictures of all the co-op parties but I, I remember specifically, I was at Harmony Park and I met Zach the first time and he said he lived at the co-op. And then I was like, what is this thing? Tell me more. <laughs> what did he say? Yeah. I, I mean, that's when you start asking questions. How does it work? And what do you live? How would you pay? And like, you open that can of worms. So I lived with my sister and Christy, who also was a co-oper for a while. And then once I graduated, I was looking for affordable housing, couldn't really find any affordable housing, applied to live at that co-op, and uh, I got in. Um, and that, that was kind of like the transition period for me from graduating undergrad, figuring out what I wanted to do, apply for grad school, and then going on that way. Could you describe in that 2014 time what you felt? was the social dynamic of the co-op um and you can in did, did you was it comfortable was it clicky was it um were there aspects of both hmm. um what i felt like you could go up to anyone and start a conversation and everyone was welcome to do that so that was welcoming everyone had their like favorite person that they hung out with uh, so maybe that's clicky. Maybe it's not. I definitely thrived on like the social interactions of everything. Hindsight is like 2020, but like, I definitely was like, Oh, I got to hang out. It's like, I got to meet people and like, you know, be funny. Ha Like, <laughs> um, I think you're naturally funny in a good way. I hope you don't mind me saying so. I think even during this time, I, I was taking like improv classes at Stevie Ray's in uh, Uptown. So it was, I don't know. 
yeah, maybe had a had a different view of the world and what was important at the time. Being social and having those connections, I probably put pretty high up there. Not to say they're not important, but I see what you're saying. So, what would you say is it like a difference between then and now with you? Yeah, it's like what do, what do you think is important in your life? What I guess where do you get meaning from? Because right, right. who you hang out with, who, you know, thinks you're funny or who's your like best friend versus at least for me, it's like, what, what kind of research are you doing and what kind of answers like service can you provide or like even family? I would say my family matters more now well, for multiple reasons, but you know, when you're still like a kid or adult, you're like, you know, still exploring the the distance yeah how far you can get from everything you know in a way right Mm -hmm. yeah so what is your advice to uh future egalitarians or future co-opers so one of the things that i study i'm like a behavioral economist uh, like an experimentalist and we study human behavior and we know that like free writing is a thing and we should take into account um, basically how selfish people can be. It's not something I'm not saying like, Oh, people are terrible and like never trust people. It's, it's just a matter of recognizing incentives and where they lie. Like I think in the co-op, there were a lot of opportunities for free writing and that, you know, for example, is just piece of trash here. I leave a little like one or two dishes in in my in the sink and I won't clean it. And that can have like downstream consequences. So you know, I'm thinking small things. I'm not thinking huge like oh how institutional things, but I don't know. This is maybe a little bit more abstract, but realizing the reality of behavior and reconciling it with maybe the most optimistic prescriptions of like, oh, we would want the co-op to work and run like this. Like ideally everyone will do their dishes all the time and there won't be this, but like you have to understand there's always this other incentive being pushed around. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's like have your ideals, but if reality doesn't meet them immediately, don't give up basically. <laughs> yeah, and this is where like I think institutions matter because you can hedge that behavior either by changing the incentives or you know having certain rules. Yeah, or things like what you said like, you know, if it just was always like a strong norm uh you know, this is the way we do things. It doesn't even have to be an explicit rule. It's just like an implicit thing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today. Yeah, thank you. I was going to say, I have probably photos I could share. I'm not sure how interesting they would be. I'll start um, a podcast page that collects the photos from sh- for the show notes. And if you want to tell me about any of the photos you know, in text or something, feel free. And I'll just like post that as you kind of wrote it. Yeah. So people can come back and visit it. 
Yeah. It can kind of be become like a, a photo album that I could organize by year. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Is there anything else you want to say about the blog? It looks like you spent a lot of time putting some cool recipes together. Here's So here's what I did. They have like websites where you type in what ingredients you have and then we'll spit out like, oh, you could make this because you have all the ingredients. Uh-huh. Um, so sometimes I did that. And I think that's probably what inspired me. Like I made this chocolate bundt cake with beets. So I was like, beets, chocolate. <laughs> that's Um, awesome yeah and and it's kind of funny because i I made this gif of uh making a carrot cake and this was like before this whole like fad of showing gifs or videos of people making food in time lapse so i was like i did this a long time ago before that came like yeah cool uh so it's kind of fun All right, this concludes the co-op meeting. Food Prep just finished making huge batches of brown rice, black beans, gluten-free granola, and someone else attempted a chocolate chip cookie recipe that kind of melted into one giant cookie, but still delicious. Please help yourself. See you next time. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed and you would like to check out the show notes, including Hannah's pictures, please visit maxime.com forward slash co-op pod. That's C-O-O-P hyphen P-O-D.